this one's a good one. We gotta, we gotta, this is a, this one's just a good one. This one's a special one. I am really happy about this week's episode. It features the, the great, the truly, truly great, um, Alex Monaco. Alexandra Monaco, you could say. Um, we, Alex and I, spoke, um, last semester, and it just so happened to be that this episode didn't come out till the middle of March. That's how it goes sometimes, you know, there's a backlog, um, and Alex and I spoke, I can't believe I've done 55 of these episodes now, 55 of these things, never talked about Harry Potter, but here we go, Alex and I, we're talking top five Harry Potter characters, and it's, you know, if you know me, you know there's a Deathly Hallows right on that left arm of mine, and so I love talking Harry Potter, um, and it's even more special to talk about it with Alex. Alex and I worked together um, back at the Magic Kingdom, and the first time I met her, people, like, we bounced around a lot, and I didn't always meet everyone, um, but people had met Alex because they worked with her. I never worked with her, so the first time I met her, she comes up to my wagon, and I just I just treated her like every other guest. So I was like, well, can I get you? Absolutely. Here's that. That'll be $5. Thank you very much. And then when she left, or she was, she was about to leave, Rissa... Uh, shout out to Rissa, um, who almost, you know, we're in talks about this podcast with Rissa, um, <laughs> uh, but Alex and I, uh, so Rissa, Rissa um, said, do you not know who that was? And I was like, am I supposed to know who that was? Um, is that a person? And she was like, yeah, that was, that's Alex. Don't you know Alex? And Alex turned and was like, oh, we've never worked together. I was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I I would have said something I didn't know um and then as things often went at Disney you know time passes and sure enough um one of my dear friends in the program uh departs a couple days early um and I say goodbye to her and and a couple minutes later I'm sent on my 15 minute break I go to the break room um and I'm just chilling there and Alex just happens to be in there and so we sit together with our little snacks I think I had probably like like a granola bar I had like a cheese stick something simple something that I could afford and she had her I think she was on her longer break maybe so she had like a full um lunch with her and the two of us were just talking about how it's coming to an end our time and uh she I was like oh I don't like I was like I don't know how to say goodbye to these people like because like I want to see them again I don't know if I will see them again you know it's kind of weird it's like this weird new thing that we had never done before and she was like oh you should just you know write a letter or something and uh if you, you it's uh, it flourished into quite the into quite the goodbye to all of them including Alex who remains a friend to this day I feel like she's one of the most supportive people I know um one of the most encouraging optimistic and that's she's a great presence like that to ha- is to have in your life. It's just very special. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just very happy to be talking to her, um, to listen to a dear friend talk about Harry Potter. That's just better than anything else that you could hear going on in the world these days, um, for sure. Yeah. So, Alex, thank you very much. You're welcome anytime you'd like. Um, I always would love talking to you, and I hope we can talk 
more and frequently and all that good stuff, all the adverbs. Um, and yeah, so definitely, if you want to put if you want to put some more good into this universe, uh, sign that um, New Deal for Nature. Add your voice to the New Deal for Nature call for that. Uh, it's gonna be in the show notes again. I'll link to that. You can click on that and add your voice. Help animals. That's always good. And you know, check out check out Briar Patch. You know the great Andy Greenwald, um, fellow podcaster Andy Greenwald has Briar Patch on USA. It's a great crime mystery show, and he created it for USA. Rosario Dawson, Jay Ferguson, Ed Asner, Alan Cumming, Kim Dickens. You know, Peter Stormare. What more do people want? I like Red Edwards. It's a great show, and you know. In these days, we need people to have... There needs to be viewership for the great shows. So definitely, if you want to support Andy, if you want to support animals, as always, I'm going to link to both of them in the episode description. And once again, shout out to... You know, I'm going to go I'm going to go so far as to say that this episode is dedicated to Alex Monaco. It's just... I like just hearing voices of the people from that very special time in my life. I was in my shower playlist this morning it brought me to the happily ever after soundtrack which if you don't know is the fireworks soundtrack for the magic kingdom and i heard that every night for five months every night i heard it and every single time i heard it there's a different special memory attached to it and that's just amazing um and to hear it again it popped up and it just it just all came just rushing back to me and it was great really great i just you know i get choked up about it but but i hear alex's voice and i'm back to that moment too back to the happily ever afters and and it was just really great so yeah um and whether you are sad that there's a little bit of time to die but not quite enough time to die and if you could be so kind as to lend me some time to die so i could die um if you're sad about that or you know, campuses closing, festivals closing, cities, countries closing, um, or, you know, there's people voting for people who you might not necessarily wish they were voting for, or there's other people who have already been voted for and are doing bad things, or there's animals who just need our help and they're not getting it, or the world is on fire, or contagion seems to be pretty much in beat for beat what's going on right now, or any of that, then maybe this Harry Potter conversation will give you a bit of a an escape. I will say that this was recorded before J.K. Rowling's tweets about... Um, I don't really even know how you describe it, but basically they were tweets that were not... Um, not not supportive of the transgender community um so we don't talk about that in the episode but i will say that i am glad that none of these characters that jk rowling created would have those ideas in mind just rowling would um and emily dickinson is a great writer as well she wrote a poem called parting my life closed twice before its close it yet remains to see if immortality unveil a third event to me so huge so hopeless to conceive as these that twice befell parting is all we know of heaven and all we need of hell
Welcome to this very special episode of Goodbye Mellowbrick Road. We are finally tackling a topic I've always wanted to talk about and joining us all the way. It's like, it's in person if you consider it um, talking over the laptop, phone, Facebook <laughs> Messenger to be in person. But all the way from Columbus, Ohio, it's Alex Monaco. Alex, thank you for being Hello. here. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited about this, actually. It's going to be great. Um, I'm looking right now at... Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, I'm rereading it, and I'm just looking at this cover, I'm like, man, this is great, got my tattoo, ready to go, first Harry Potter episode <laughs> of the podcast, we're doing top five Harry Potter characters, um, I think it's a perfect topic. Yeah, I, I don't know, I've read the books a million times, I've obviously seen the movies a million times, I'm actually in the process of rereading the series, so this could not have been, like, more timely. Which one are you currently on? Um, I'm about halfway through Order of the Phoenix right now. Nice, nice. That's a, there's this podcast out there, and they do uh, one chapter every week, so I've been trying to keep up with that one, and Order of the Phoenix uh, took about a year for them to do. It's oh, wow. A- yeah, I mean, I don't, it's a long book, yeah. and I didn't realize, I haven't, it's been a long time since I've actually been able to read them from start to finish all the way through. Um, especially with, like, being in grad school, and I often pick up the books when I'm most, like, stressed. Oh, they're so perfect for that. I, like, pick up the first book, and that first book is, like, totally torn apart, and, like, the inside actually falls out of its binding. Um, yeah, it's very it's very loved. <laughs> but I, like, pick up the first book and get through maybe, I don't know, the first and second book, but it's been a long time since I've made it this far, like, during the school year, so I'm really excited and proud of myself. <laughs> no, it's, it's ex- excellent achievement. You're all the way, you're halfway, over halfway through. Um, yeah. I'm excited about it. <laughs> Which book is your favorite? Oh, I, as you will learn, love Sirius and Lupin, like, a lot. Um, so I think Order of the Phoenix is a good one for both of them, but um, Prisoner of Azkaban is probably my favorite book, but Goblet of Fire, I don't know, I love all of them for <laughs> many different reasons, but I think Goblet of Fire is the first one where it actually, like, sinks in the depth of what Voldemort is and what that means and we're experiencing it firsthand through Harry instead of like the stories of before when he was at at large um so I think like seeing that dynamic change within that book is really impressive and you you feel it as the reader so I think that Goblin of Fire is probably probably number one it's a great pick it's so like the like Prisoner of Azkaban like not no Voldemort at all and it's just like this really character driven story and then they go right into Goblet of Fire and they introduce this threat that changes the whole tone of the books and it's a great great one-two punch um I'm a sucker for endings personally so I always go for Deathly Hallows um sure you know it's a good one um but I'll I'll go into my list that way we can alternate and it'll end on you um okay my number five character I was going back and forth about this a lot and I almost picked Snape but then I was like eh he's a great character but I don't like him uh so I eventually settled on um, Sirius Black. He, as you mentioned, is a great character. Um, I think I just always resonated with in Prisoner of Azkaban when Peter Pettigrew was like, "Oh, what, what was I supposed to do? I was like, I was being uh, threatened by Voldemort, and like, you should have died. Like, we would have died before we betrayed our friends." And it's like that's just Sirius Black is great for loyalty. He's there when Harry needs him, even though he's in prison for the first. 12, 13 years of Harry's life, and I thought he was just such a welcome presence, like a great, like, actual, like, 
parental figure in Harry's life that even though he had Dumbledore and the Weasleys, it's just Sirius was a connection to the his past that he never got, and I love him for it. And he he, fil- he fulfills the role beautifully. Yeah, no, I agree. Sirius is pretty great, pretty pretty great. So, question actually, yes, are we? I feel like the most obvious like number one pick would be Harry. So, are we excluding him from this list? Uh, I, I, we were more than able to exclude Harry. Uh, I, I, I did think about it. Uh, he didn't end up coming in at my number one, uh, personally, but, I mean, we, I, what can be said about Harry Potter that hasn't already been said, you know? Right. Okay, so, he's not in my list, but I just realized as you were talking about that, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> he would have been, like, the obvious first pick. Right. Yeah, we'll exclude Harry. We'll say that Harry okay. didn't count. Cool. Um, yeah, Sirius is great. Uh, he's also in my top five. He's not number five, but I love him a lot for all of the reasons that you said and more, which I will Absolutely. expand upon. Who do you have at number five? Um, so my number five is actually Voldemort. Oh. Um, I think that he's, in terms of the books, because that's what we're talking about here, he's so well written. And I think that from, he's not necessarily my favorite as in like, wow, I love that character, but the character development and the ability to like feel the anxiety with his name from like the very first book is incredible. And it's just like, you're constantly leading up to this climax of Harry and Voldemort that, as we all know, kind of ultimately happens in Deathly Hallows. And it's just this, I don't know, you have this strange longing for a character that you barely interact with throughout this entire series, but is, like, such a huge presence. And, I don't know, I just really appreciate him as a character, although, obviously, he's, like, not my favorite character (laughs) for, yeah, whatever reason. But, um, I don't know, I just think he's super well-written and not appreciated enough for the role that he plays in the books. No, I know what you mean. Like, uh, all the great stories that like keep lasting have great villains um at least in terms of like the fantasy genre like you got Cersei Lannister over Game of Thrones uh Sauron in Lord of the Rings it's you gotta Mm -hmm. have the villains that make the stories more than just about the heroes and Voldemort is I think one of the most iconic villains ever created he's he's really well done and you get like in Half-Blood Prince and um, Chamber of Secrets, they do a lot of work about this, the background before he became Voldemort, and I think it's extremely effective. He's very well written, and including the villain, it's a great pick for your list. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, he's, I don't know, I I think you have to appreciate the villain to appreciate the hero, and especially because, as we know, as we kind of see throughout the books and the movies, Harry and Voldemort are more similar than we first realize. I think that, especially with them, you have to appreciate one to appreciate the other. Oh, of course. Um, they they get more and more inextricably linked together as the series goes on, and they become two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Yeah. Who's your number four? Uh, my number four is Professor Minerva McGonagall. Um, she, I like I like I said, I really thought about including Snape because of how complex he is. Um, but I thought, you know, McGonagall is not necessarily as complex, but she's also a lot less uh, cruel. Um, I was reading, I just reread the chapter of when she is giving out schedules um, in Half-Blood Prince, and Neville is like, oh, I can't, uh, my, my grandmother doesn't want me to pursue the class I want to take, and she's like, you tell your grandmother that she better be happy with the grandson that she's got and not the one that she wants to have, just because she failed that class doesn't mean that you have to. 
and I was like, oh damn, she's the best. And yeah, the way she comes back and like it's just like when uh when Harry comes back to the castle in the last book and she just like takes over the cast the Hogwarts and uh, I love her. She's the best and she's there on the first night when they drop him off at the Dursleys and she's there all the way to the end. She's a great one of the best teachers at Hogwarts, arguably the best teacher. Yeah, so she's actually my number four as well. <laughs> oh, perfect. That's a great transition. Um, I love her. She, in my mind, is, like, the definition of, like, the boss-ass bitch character. Um, she just, like, completely takes over her role, and I don't know. It's just the constant in Harry's life that is, like, the stern. She really wants to be, like, maternal and have him as her favorite. You can tell through the books, and I think the movies portray this pretty well. Um... I don't know. I just appreciate, like, her professionalism, but, like, her soft heart. <laughs> and I think that it's an important person for Harry to have. And she's also, like, super influential with, I mean, Dumbledore. And then, like you said, in um, Deathly Hollows, the way she just kind of takes over Hogwarts and, like, does what she needs to do to protect her students and protect, like, the world as she knows it. It's, I don't know, it's impressive. And I don't know, it's insane. She's a very intense character, I think. And she people love her but i also think she's kind of underappreciated she gets scanned over in conversations like these a lot i think oh definitely like she is very much overlooked despite the fact that she like never does anything wrong uh yeah it's obviously we are in tune about mcgonagall um my number three selection is another um professor at hogwarts uh somebody who it's just a pure force of love in the universe i have to give a shout out to my my guy Rubius Haggard. Uh, he's, oh, true. Isn't he? He's just great. He's so lovable and just unflinchingly caring about Harry. Like, he's always there when they need him. And he's like, he's like, he really is like a friend more than a mentor. And it's something that uh, they, t- they touch on it a lot in the books how, how glad Harry is to have Haggard in his life. And I just love how lovable he is. He's just like a, it's like the cliched big teddy bear. And, uh, I just, yeah, Hagrid is just, he's just, he's everything that you need him to be, and not, he's nothing that you don't need him to be all at the same time, and I wish I could have had a chance to ride the Hagrid roller coaster in Florida, but Ugh, they closed the right. line down, um, because people just love Hagrid so much, you know, they just love him. <laughs> he also, I don't know, he's like the definition of unconditional love to me. No matter who it is that he's interacting with, he just feels everything so wholeheartedly and so passionately. And I I just, I don't know, I appreciate that about him. He's just so, everything about him is unconditional, and he'll support everybody that he cares about with everything that he has, and I don't know. He just warms my heart. I love that big lump. (laughs) He's the best. Uh, Yes. Who do you have at number three? So, I, at number three, have Sirius, which I went back and forth between my number three and my number two um, for a couple of reasons, but my number three is Sirius, and I'm going to, for this moment in time, stick with it. (laughs) Um, I think Sirius, along with all of the reasons that you said, I think he's everything that Harry needs when he needs it, but he also... I go back and forth a lot with him in my head because Sirius is very much like Harry where there's like a constant longing for Harry's parents and in the books especially and we don't necessarily see this in the movies um, but the books you can tell Sirius is like longing for Harry to be more like James which 
I can totally understand. It's your godson, and also you lost your best friend, and then were punished for it, even though it wasn't your fault. <laughs> and I get that, but it's. I think it puts a hard and weird strain on their relationship. But I think that that's almost what every child experiences with their parent in some way. So I think that's what makes their relationship so real. It's not like fabricated with whatever kind of immediate, like unconditional Hagrid type type love. They have that strain of what I think like a parent would be. Yeah, that's a, it's pretty like, that was one of the strongest parts of the relationship is how it wasn't perfect. And I know in the movies they do it a little bit more like obviously when he's like nice shot James and it's like a little bit more ham-fisted um but that connection that um seeing James in him it's kind of it's very heartbreaking and obviously like Harry's not necessarily equipped to handle that emotionally mm-hmm. he never really I never really see him you don't really see him get like upset about it but it's certainly something that weighs on him and I thought I th- yeah I definitely think Sirius is one of the best written characters in the whole series I think, too, like, I don't know. It, it kind of breaks my heart. So this is just happening in, like I said, I'm rereading Order of uh, Phoenix right now. And when Sirius comes into the fire while Harry, Hermione, and Ron are all in the common room, and he says something to the effect of, like, well, your dad would have done this. It It's so heartbreaking because it's like, I'm sure Harry wants to be more like his dad, but, like, he didn't know him ever, like, well enough to be more like him and I think in that moment you kind of realize that like oh (laughs) it's he wants me to be this person just as much as like I want to be like this person but neither of us are going to get what we want it's very true um Harry really got a raw deal didn't he yeah (laughs) no kidding (laughs) um yeah we love Sirius Black um great guy uh rest in peace um, 10 yeah, out of 10. Yeah, pouring out, pour out for the homie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my number two, it's uh, it might be a little bit of a cheat, but I definitely think that they're like a unit. I have Fred and George Weasley. Um, I was like, I don't like really have a preference of Fred over George because they're just the same person twice. Um, yeah, you got to keep them both yeah, together. They're like inseparable. I don't think I've ever seen a scene in the book where they're not together, even when Fred is dead, um, George is still there. Uh, I it, yeah I just really can't think of anything where they're apart. Um, but they're just awesome. The way the way that they like I uh, just read in the um, Half Blood Prince when Harry and Ron and Hermione go to their joke shop and they say that Harry doesn't have to pay because he gave them his winnings from the Triwizard Tournament and then Ron's like, "Do I have to pay?" And they're like, "Yes." <laughs> but I'm your brother. <laughs> it's like uh, they're just they're classic. They stick to them what they believe in, and that includes um, screwing over Ron. Um, they're just oh, they're just the comedic relief um there's like how can you not love them they're just the best um yes and the way they're also they... so like strong in their convictions oh yeah. which i i think is so important for this book because people we're seeing constantly throughout the series like people being swayed by like outside forces and not believing dumbledore and harry and believing them and whatever there's like a constant sway of emotions but Fred and George are so strong in their convictions, whether it be what they want to do after school or screwing over Ron or, like, whatever it is. It's just, like, wholeheartedly 100% them, and I love that. Absolutely. Like, when they retaliate against Umbridge is amazing. Uh, yes. <laughs> just because they know she's wrong. Um, and But, yeah, it's like, you know, at the, at the heart of it, these books are about, like, heart and love and 
family, and I think they brought the necessary humor that you need to make this story not completely depressing all the time. And Fred and George are my favorite of the Weasleys, which may spoil that I don't have Percy at number one, but um, (laughs) Fred and George are the best. Uh, Who do you have at number two, though? Uh, So, number two has got to be Lupin. And honestly, I'm not even sure... I do know why, but for some reason, when I first watched the movies, the movies are actually what made me love him. Um, Although it's been reinforced by rereading the books again, but I just think that he's so soft for a professor, and I don't mean that in a bad way, for a professor who's in the dark arts and, or against the dark arts, and has seen and like dealt with so much similar to kind of what Harry is obviously in different ways but he's just a very soft character and I think kind of embodies the Keanu Reeves of the book <laughs> like has that like badass exterior but then is actually kind of like okay you know what everything's gonna be fine we're gonna do it this way and it'll be fine it'll all work out and you see that especially in his interactions with Molly Weasley in Order of the Phoenix when Arthur gets attacked by Harry slash um, Nagini and Harry's dream and he's actually the person who calms Molly down and like brings her off the edge I don't know I think he's just like a very underappreciated constant throughout the series that just provides like so much strength but also like an equal amount of vulnerability you said it really well Um, Lupin like I I was just thinking about him as you were um, speaking and he's just he's really great um he, uh, I think he's of the marauders he's like easily the most mature one like Pettigrew is evil um, James is dead and uh, Sirius has arrested development clearly and Lupin yeah. just is the only one who like really kind of grew up and I think that helped him a lot in his um, in his relationship with Harry like uh, he he was never afraid to tell Harry the way it was like he never like beat around the bush or tried to like be kinder than he needed to be but he always was like very honest and straightforward with harry about the way the situation was like about how like oh you can't go after sirius he's dead you gotta move on um or stop going after snape like literally the stop doing that i'm telling you to stop and you're not listening to me and like it works both ways when in the seventh book remus tries to flake out on tonks and the kid uh teddy and Harry's like, no, you need to go back to your family because that's a horrible thing that you're trying to do right now. It's a, uh, and it shows that they have a really mature relationship together. And obviously, it, it like most of Harry's relationships, it ends in heartbreak. But um, up until that point, Lupin, Lupin is uh, a very mature force in Harry's life. And he loves Harry with everything that you just said. Like it's just a testament to the amount of like love and mutual respect that they have for one another, which I think is important because it's not unlike Sirius Lupin doesn't provide like a parental kind of figure. He's just, like you said, very honest, very like ground level with him, which I think is nice because you have all of these people trying to protect Harry at every phase of this story. And Harry's constantly pushing back with like, okay, well the best way to protect me is to tell me what's going on. And I think both sides of that coin are right. And Lupin's kind of the center. And I don't know. I think, I think you said it perfectly. I love Lupin. I think he's, ah, I don't know. He just, like, melts my heart for some reason. He's kind of like Hagrid, and I just look at him, and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I know what you mean. And I have, 
I have no way of explaining it. <laughs> he's lovable. He is. Um, but in, like, definitely a less jovial kind of way, more of, like, a... If you knew this person in real life, you would have... Un, you would have boundless respect for him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, speaking of boundless respect, though, my number one is somebody... Arguably could be, like, my favorite character in all of fiction. I'd have to really think about it, but she's up there. Um, I love Hermione Granger. Um, she is incredible. Um, loyal, uh, but never to a fault. Um, obviously, whip smart. Um, they would have... It's, it's a popular internet meme that they would have died without her, but people forget that that is very true. Um, yeah. And... Uh, the movies, like, I love Emma Watson in the books. She's uh, equally great. Um, just... I just, like, the loyalty is really what gets me. Like, obviously, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are all loyal to each other. But Hermione is just, she goes above and beyond. She's like, I'll go with you to the Forbidden Forest in the movies. Um, and I think she would have said that in the book had Harry run into her in the book. Um, and she just, everything, like, Ron obviously struggles a lot with his identity when, he, when he's with Harry. But Hermione is just always, like, ready to go. She's always with Harry. She... She checks his worst impulses, but follows his best without question, and um, she should honestly, she could, on, she could honestly lead these missions in her own right. I'm, I'm surprised Dumbledore didn't trust her with all this information, because honestly, Harry can be a bit daft at times, and Hermione is just exactly what you need, and she is not just the brightest witch of her age, she's like the brightest witch of all time. Yes. So, Hermione's actually my number one as well. Perfect. <laughs> um... I totally agree with everything you just said, and I also very distinctly remember these books and Hermione Granger being the first, like, female character that I ever was like, yes, you are the epitome of what I want to be when I grow up. I know that magic doesn't exist, but, like, everything else, just give me, give me you, (laughs) and that is what I want to aspire to be, too. Like, if I could be a quarter of Hermione Granger, I would be set with my life. (laughs) Oh, my God, it'd be Um, incredible. I think she is just... I don't know. And I think that Emma Watson, too, in the movies, plays her perfectly because there are so many similarities. And I'm not sure if it's because Emma grew up playing Hermione um, or if it was just, like, naturally the similarities within their personalities. But there's just so much conviction and strength in that character and also the way that Emma Watson plays her that it's hard not to have her as your favorite. And the way that she creates spew (laughs) um and like just is fighting for something without really understanding the entire story with the house elves i don't know she just is so strong in her beliefs and uh, i don't know she's an unfathomable unfathomable character and i think that books and fiction and even nonfiction in the real world need more of her Absolutely. She's just great. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Every story would be made better with Hermione. Like, like the book about the Charles Manson murders, put Hermione in it. Like, right, perfect. It. It's so much better. It's so much better. She is also, like, loyal, which I appreciate, but she questions everything, and her curiosity isn't, outside of, like, the first book, isn't seen as something negative. And in a world that is filled with so much negative and like stereotyping and being ashamed of like being book smart i think that that character is somebody that those people who identify with her can turn to and be like no i'm okay and i think that that's what i kind of got out of the books too um i grew up as a super bookworm i loved reading 
always got like kind of teased about it not in like a oh sad as me i'm being bullied kind of way but um i always had my nose in a book and when i read harry potter i just remember being like wow okay cool <laughs> this is awesome yeah she made she made it cool like, yeah absolutely and like people still dress up as what's wild to me about this whole series and franchise is that like halloween you still see harry potter characters and it's it is going to live well beyond its time and i think that's what makes these books and these movies and these characters so wonderful is that they're they're in a very fictional world but they're so real to us it's like yes it's a story about wizards fighting each other and like magic and like basically like powers but at the core of it it's just three friends trying to get through school man it's all right. it is. <laughs> they're just trying to graduate yeah right <laughs> Uh, well, you said it better than I could ever say it, but uh, this last question I have for you here, have you ever, I assume that you have, but just in case, have you ever had the butterbeer at Universal? Oh, of course. Which version of the butterbeer is your favorite? Um, that's a good question. I think, I don't know. I actually had like an allergic reaction to one of them. Oh, no. And I am trying to remember which it was, because I went my senior year of high school um, my best friend and I went with her mom and we were at Universal for a couple of days and every day that we were there we like got butterbeer and I just don't remember right now which of those days I was super sick <laughs> but I love them <laughs> oh it's the best and if I ever if the next time I'm back at Universal I'm just gonna wing it and hope for the best <laughs> definitely try to go how about you I love the hot butterbeer only only available in winter but oh it's amazing yeah it is it is pretty good and actually I think I think the hot butter beer is what got me sick. Oh, damn. Um, because I remember really liking the ice or the frozen yeah. or whatever That's a and good one. loving it. That's a good and one too. being fine. Yeah, you can't go wrong with the frozen one. No, absolutely not. Especially in Florida. Like, come on. Yeah, it's always going to be hot. Like, yes. You're never going to need a hot drink in Florida. No. <laughs> well, Alex, thank you for being here and talking Harry Potter with me. It was awesome. Literally any time. This is, this is like my dream. I love talking about Harry Potter. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for the episode with the great Alex Monaco. What a wondrous person. I hope you enjoyed it. I sure did. She's the best. She's the best. Um, a little bit of housekeeping here. No new episode next week. I'm going to be on spring break for college. And I'm taking spring break literally. I'm taking the word break literally. We're going on a break. Just a one-week break. A little one-week break. Um... It's been, I think, like nine or ten weeks of just consecutive podcasts, so it's okay. We can do it. Nobody really cares anyway. Nobody's listening to this. If you've gotten this far, you're a psychopath. Um, so yeah, no new episode next week, but then we'll be back the week after that, and we'll keep the ball rolling. We got plenty of episodes to come. We got great ones about movies, video games are coming up, there's going to be sports, food, it's all good stuff. All good stuff. All good stuff. All good stuff.